0: Hello, and welcome back to The Dear Prudence Show. Once again, and as always, I am your host, Dear Prudence, also known as Daniel Mallory Ortberg. With me this week in the studio is Sarah Shord, a multimedia journalist based in Oakland, California. Her work combines the tools of fiction with rigorous journalism to elevate marginalized voices. She's worked in print, theater, podcasting, and is now working collaboratively on a graphic novel as a JSK fellow at Stanford. Sarah, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me here.
0: Thank you so much for coming all the way up from the peninsula um, to the East Bay.
1: Oh my God, my pleasure. I definitely, this is the first time that I've lived outside of Oakland for a a minute, maybe five or six years, so I definitely need to come back and get my Oakland fix.
0: I spent a couple of years uh, as a teenager living on the peninsula, and um, while it was very exciting to have gone to the same high school as um, one of the members of Fleetwood Mac, I also really enjoyed getting out of there. (laughs) I bet. I mean... Yeah, it was. Yeah, if I ever run into Stevie Nicks, I will have something to talk to her about. But yes, I I too am partial to this side of the bay. Um, Well, I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm really excited because we have some just wildly um, different letters today. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you be so good as to read our first one?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. The first one is called Sickly, Not Flaky. Dear Prudence, over the last decade or so, I've dealt with a lot of afflictions from mental health to physical. I had PTSD from an abusive relationship and have recently finally been diagnosed with generalized anxiety and OCD that I've suffered from for some time. The last few years, I've also had physical pain from stenosis in my neck and uh, fibromyalgia, fibromyalgia, I think. Thank you. Over the years, these conditions have cost me a lot of relationships and opportunities as I didn't know what was wrong with me and missed a lot of plans and events. I finally started to receive care this last year, but a lot of it is trying medications and seeing what works. I find that no matter how honest I am with friends about what's going on with me or why I may have to cancel plans, I have less and less people sticking around and I'm getting invited to less. I've tried just saying work and tried telling them exactly what's going on. I'm on a new nerve med that makes me a little loopy so I can't drive or go out to that standing event. And still, I seem to get a lot of people who think I'm just being flaky. I know it's never fun to have someone cancel plans, but I don't know what else to do besides never make plans. And I don't always cancel, but it happens. I'm doomed to a life of no friends until my health is better sorted out, even if I don't know when that will be. Am I doomed? That's the question.
0: Oh, man, I hope not. I mean, I would like to say no, definitely not. You shouldn't be. Um, but I also don't want to be, uh, overly Pollyanna-ish about this particular person's, um, set of friends.
1: Yeah, it's a serious stuff.
0: So, I, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm glad that you're finally starting to receive care. I'm, I'm sorry that you're right now in that stage of, here is a medication, let's find out if the side effects, um, are worse than what it treats. Um, and I hope that it, it proves really helpful, um, You know, I want to kind of offer a combination of different kinds of advice. I want to say, you know, if you're up to it, maybe occasionally asking people to come over and hosting them at your house might be easier because then you can kind of control, um, you know, what time of day it's at and you don't have to stand up for a long time. You can just say, do you guys want to come over for like a kind of low key, you know, fill in the blank, drink tea and watch a movie or just catch up around the couch. Um, I, I hope that that would be helpful. But I also want to kind of address the fact that this letter writer has some friends who either don't know enough about kind of what's going on in the background or have a kind of walk-it-off approach of, like, big deal. So you're, like, racked with chronic pain, come to a concert anyways. Do you have any kind of more specific thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like one of the hardest things for me during huge transitions, like, really disruptive or traumatic events, um, like, is that I cling to how things were Mm. and I don't let life shift into the new form that it needs to shift into. I mean, that's part of the pain of, of any huge transition. And, 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 um, I feel like with friendships, I've clung to them. And once I let go, they turned into something different Mm. and some of them didn't, and some of them did, but sort of trusting that process that you actually are not in control of other people. You can only just, sounds like this person is doing their best to be accountable and to be transparent and to communicate and I feel like eventually people come around if you don't write them off don't break you know any serious like don't uh what's the word I don't know just don't necessarily jump to this is not going to work or this is going to work but try to try to let it be what it's going to be
0: yeah I do think the line that stood out to me the most was, I find that no matter how off- honest I am with friends about what's going on or why I may have to cancel plans, fewer people stick around, I get invited to fewer things. So I-, I-, I will say, as you deal with all the changes that are coming in your life, do not waste, I think, too much time chasing down people who have made it clear they don't really care very much Um
1: or they can't. Yeah, yeah. This, you know, in this moment, or they don't. They don't have the skills.
0: Yeah, if, if somebody has all the information and they know that you've been suffering a lot, that you've only just been starting to receive treatment, that it's it, oftentimes you just have physical limitations that mean you cannot go out to a concert, and they're still just sort of like ready to write you off. They are letting you know what they are able to give you. And so I would say don't spend too much time chasing them down. Certainly if those were meaningful friendships and you need to take time to mourn them, do so. But um, maybe do one or two attempts with these people. Like again, again, kind of one-on-one, just like I know the last couple of years I've had to cancel a lot of plans. It's been, as you know, because I've been in a lot of pain. I really miss seeing you. I would love for you to come over sometime in the next couple of weeks. Can we find a date when you can come by just for an hour? We'll eat a baked good. We'll drink some tea. It will be low key. But what's important to me is just that I see you. I love that. Yeah. And and hopefully some Mm -hmm. of your friends will say, yes, absolutely. Um, And you will be able to, even if you're just like on the couch. Um, I love
1: that because you're like putting it out there and it's direct um, without putting it on other people. Yeah. Right. Or just getting caught up in in the anger because you need that energy for yourself
0: right um and and i think that will give you an indication of like what are some friendships that you may be able to preserve or that will change with you as as you're going through this time in your life and if there are people who are not attempting to meet you halfway who are really dismissive who are like nope you either come to me to this theme park or i don't see you let them go to the theme park and wish them the best Um, And then maybe again, like I don't want to assign you friendship homework, but as you find some of these people pass out of your life, um, if there's any community in your town um, or area for people who suffer from, for example, fibromyalgia, which I know is um, a disease with like a, a profound online support group. Um, maybe look for people who, who share your condition, who, who have a sense of, you know, I also have days when I cannot do much besides just like stay alive um, so that you can kind of develop support with other people who are going through the same thing. And I'm not saying like get rid of all your old friends and only talk to people who share your conditions. But um, it may feel really meaningful to spend time with people, again, even if it's only occasionally over the phone or online, who who know what you're going through and don't just have to imagine it.
1: Yep. I was going to say something similar, actually, that, um, yeah, finding other people that have gone through what you're, you're going through specifically, because no matter how hard people try that haven't, they're only going to be able to go so far. I mean, people have different skills when it comes to empathy. Um, and some people blow me away. But when I was suffering with my worst PTSD, um, I spent a year in prison in solitary confinement and nobody else understands what that's like. I mean, you absolutely have to find someone else who's lived it. Otherwise, you feel like um, you you just end up isolating yourself more and more.
0: And I think that's always good for, for anyone um, to have a number of different kinds of friendships where no one particular group of people is totally responsible for... Um, you know, sharing your experience or sharing your identity, but you're not also the only person you know who has experienced something. I think that's really useful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, my hope is that you are not doomed to total isolation until or unless you are in perfect health. But I do also want to acknowledge um, that, you know, ableism is real. There are absolutely a lot of people out there who um, might not be so rude as to say it, but who at the back of their mind think, I kind of only want friends who are really. You know, healthy and able to do all the things I'm able to do, and whose idea of health is the same as mine. And um, uh, maybe I'm never going to come out and say it, but I'm going to make it very clear to you that I have no time or patience um, for your pain or your limitations um, uh, or your need to sometimes cancel plans. And that may happen. I hope. I hope that's not the majority of your experience, but that is real. And that um, is
1: real. But everyone's not like that. Yeah. For sure. And also, I think, remind yourself that you you have something that, to offer from the wisdom and the knowledge and the experience that stems from your illness that other people will value. Um, and you'll find those people. Those people will recognize the value of, of your experience.
0: Right. Right. And, you know, it may help to kind of spend a little more time with people who think and talk about stuff like ableism, um, who will be able to kind of help you navigate it and not just see this as well I guess I am kind of letting my friends down but maybe some people will take pity on me like I don't want you to have to feel like that's um, the way you need to approach the world Um, as if to say I know I look flaky but I'm not I promise that kind of I'm already apologizing um, for just the reality of my life which I don't want for you
1: also we live in the bay area where almost everyone is flaky. It's one of the most annoying things about the bay. Well, this is, you know. Right, maybe not, not the letter the writer, bay, but we do, yeah. But there's a difference between what she's talking about and flaky yeah. and and anyone who's, you know, um, a little bit observant and will know the difference. I don't think it's hard for me to imagine people that are putting that that label on her are wrong and I kind of get the sense she might just be putting that label on herself. Yeah. I don't I don't know, but yeah, that, that this fear is, doesn't of, sound like flaky me? at yeah. all. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. So swinging very um, much from one end of this like pendulum to the other, like this person, I'm like, I think you're being too hard on yourself. Don't worry that you're doing something wrong. This next letter, um, not necessarily the letter writer themselves, but the situation, I think we can be a lot more rigorous here. Um, okay. It's, okay. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> um, Let's hear it. The subject is, how do I deal? Dear Prudence. A friend of ours, Marcus, was sent to prison eight years ago for downloading child pornography onto his computer. According to my husband, who talked to Marcus and went to the trial, it wasn't that clear-cut. He had set his computer to download movies from an offshore illegal site, and those videos were part of that stream. The prosecution offered him a lesser sentence if he pleaded guilty to possession of child porn rather than bootlegging. I stopped talking to Marcus, but my husband continued to communicate via the occasional letter. Marcus is now out, and my husband wants to pick up where we left off and have us all hang out like we did in the old days. We now have a child. I don't feel comfortable with this at all, but my husband insists that Marcus is not a predator, and besides, he's already paid his debt to society. When I push the issue, my husband becomes angry and insists that I'm letting my childhood experiences color my perception of the situation. When I suggest that he just meet with Marcus and leave me and our child out of it, I'm being unreasonable and unfair to Marcus. Am I letting the abuse I suffered as a child distort the situation? Am I out of line with not wanting to give Marcus a chance? How do I deal with this? Hmm. So where I am coming from is that at best, um, your husband is burying his head in the sand. At worst your husband wants to help Marcus exploit children. This whole, I went to the trial and I talked to him and he says he was just downloading you know, the Avengers, and some child porn accidentally got in there. And he was just holding it for a friend. It's not mine. I've never seen it before. And weirdly, there's this deal where you can get less prison time for child porn possession than bootlegging. So it was really just the most logical thing to do. And by the way, if he did do it, which he didn't, because he was just trying to download movies, it was eight years ago, he's paid his debt to society, and I don't see why we can't all enjoy a nice lunch together with our child. <laughs> okay, well. That is... Bullshit from start to finish. That he is adding on top of that the fact that you were apparently abused sexually yourself as a child to suggest that you just can't see this situation clearly. This is grab your kid and leave the house bad. This is not how do we find a meaningful compromise. This is insidious. This is dark. This is such an insult to your intelligence um, and it's deeply, deeply cruel. it, yeah, this is... I, I've actually talked to myself into just full stop, leave your husband.
1: Mm. It's definitely some serious gaslighting.
0: Yeah, Very yeah. serious. Which is,
1: like, that your husband thinks
0: you would buy... He was just, like, trying to download, you know, I don't know, The Legend of Bagger Vance and whoops... Sorry, I don't mean to sound so lighthearted about it, but it's just... No,
1: you don't sound lighthearted, actually.
0: (laughs) It's such an insulting, obviously false expression. Um, And I just want you to know this letter writer. uh, Marcus got arrested because he was downloading child pornography. He did that on purpose. Um, They don't just, like, bundle that in with movies. Uh, You know, there is a good reason that they make it difficult to find because they don't want to get caught. You have to try to get it on purpose.
1: I'm with you. Um, I'm with you definitely... (laughs) That this um, the writer is not out of line and not wanting to give Marcus a chance. She absolutely. I don't know. If, do we know the gender of this writer? I guess
0: we we are not one hundred percent sure. I okay. think it's probably safe to assume that the letter writer is a mother, but um you know, it could be mother. absolutely. They could be two guys. Could be a non-binary person. It's always good to bear that in mind.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um. So we we'll use she, but we don't know. Um. I think that she definitely needs to respect her own needs in this relationship, um, or she needs her needs respected in this relationship. Um, I'm trying to um, figure out, I definitely, you know, how do I counterbalance your very clear and compassionate um, advice? Um, that's like, I felt like that was the tenderest of tough love, which is beautiful. And I think it is what this this um, writer needs to hear, most likely. That said, what's going on here that, has she had the conversation? Where is she at with the the healing around her own childhood trauma? um presumably sexual abuse? It comes up really later in the letter. and yeah. it seems like kind of an, of an afterthought, yeah, and it kind of feels like what's the work that I mean, in every long in every relationship, there's always you can wait around for ever for your partner to do the work, but if you haven't done it, you know. Um, you always have the chance to do it, yeah. right? And is she doing it? And if she were just leave her husband, leave the situation, would she repeat the same thing in the next relationship? I'm just curious if that has really been dealt with. Yeah, my I noticed
0: that too. That it came up really as an afterthought. My worry here is that that's because in this person's life and in their marriage, um, they have not been kind of allowed to say this happened to me, it had a profound effect on me, and I really, really need a lot um, of accommodation to talk about it and process it. So uh, part of me feels like you added that towards the end letter writer, because you feel a little, um, almost like in your marriage, you kind of have to apologize for having been traumatized as a child. Um, And I, again, that just worries me. That adds to the things I'm worried about. Um, And I hope that um, as you were able to get distance from, this marriage and this person, um, you can realize that having been um, harmed or assaulted or abused as a child does not, in fact, um, mean that you are incapable of seeing things clearly now, that anyone who would say or imply that to you um, is doing something really cruel and kind of compounding the damage you've already experienced. And I say damage, like, not that you are damaged, but the, the harm someone else, you know, did to you um, that that if, if your husband is saying that now or implying that now that that is um, like using your own abuse against you and that's really awful and uh, you know just to be clear I, I'm not saying that um, I, I think that someone who who abuses children or views child pornography should be murdered. Um, or that there's no way for them to um, receive therapeutic help or to try not to commit abuse um, or or um, to, you know, try to live a life where they're able to live in society. But I am saying that um, just casually going out to lunch once you get out of jail with some friends and their kid without ever having any kind of meaningful conversation where you acknowledge what you did and talk about exactly. You know, how you're working to make amends and not cause harm. And also acknowledging, like, I can do all the work in the world, and people might still never want me around their children, and that's good. Yeah. Um. You know, again, like, making amends and trying to live a better, more meaningful life does not mean you get back all the things you used to have. Yeah. So, you know, everything else aside, if that's your husband idea of paying your debt to society is say, well, I never did it. I was actually just bootlegging. But now that I'm out of jail, let's all grab lunch, and why not bring your kid – that's not paying your debt to society, right? Even a little bit.
1: I also just want to really celebrate the letter writer for making the boundaries that she has made around this. Um, it shows it that, that she is taking care of herself, yeah, and, and that's amazing. And, yeah. and and she needs her her partner to meet her on the bridge with that.
0: Yeah. So if your partner is saying. You should feel comfortable with this. I'm actually angry about you for asking questions. Um, By the way, the fact that you were abused as a child means that you're just like overly sensitive now. These are just the biggest, reddest possible flags I can imagine. This is a man who, again, at best, um, is not going to be helpful to you in dealing with your trauma and doesn't really um, have an idea of what making an amends looks like. And at worst, he's angry at you because he wants to get Marcus access to your child. Um, And like to me, this it would not shock me if your husband um, was involved somehow. Like this anger that you don't want to bring your kid around to a guy who went to jail for child pornography. Why would you be angry about that unless you... Yeah, this is not okay. This is not like um, agree to disagree. Um, This is scary and you got to get out of here. I, that's, that's, that's my take on it, at least. Um, and I'm so, so, so sorry. This must feel terrifying and bewildering. And especially because part of you already feels like, am I taking this too far? Am I out of line? And I'm saying, no, you should react even bigger and go away from him. I, I imagine at least part of you might think, like, that seems like too much, right? I'd be overreacting for sure then. But, um, you know, I, your gut is telling you the right thing here. You're uncomfortable with the right things here, and anyone who is trying to tell you not to um, be nervous is um, trying to shut down your very reasonable defenses for reasons that I think must be sinister. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, and I can hope you can go somewhere else tonight.
1: I guess I, the only thing I want to add is, from you know, based on this one paragraph, we don't know, you know. We don't. We can't unpack fully what the husband's issues are here too. Mm-hmm. Seems I, I agree that this is a, a huge red light that like there is a seriously unhealthy thing going on in this relationship. Um, but you know, take some space, seek outside help and perspective, take a few deep breaths. I mean, having a child with someone is a big deal, um, and I can understand it. I feel like this person definitely needs to get out of this. This um, small world that she's in and get some help from the outside
0: absolutely i think that's really helpful too because i don't want you to feel like you've got to just like bolt in the middle of the night tell other people in your life um tell people whose judgment you trust tell people who you know have your and your child's interests at heart ask for support in holding this line Um, and if your husband cannot come around to that then then that's gonna be okay my child's safety comes before anything else um and I want just, like, safety and wellness for you. I don't want you to be in a relationship with somebody who who throws your own abuse in your face. I just, I, I wish you the best. And I'm just rooting for you and for your kid.
1: Yeah. We wish you the best. Yeah. So
0: uh, this next letter, um, I think is it's your read, right? Yes. Thank you. I uh, For some reason, every time I forget. Even though you it's very so simple. Up. It's literally just like... <laughs> Yeah, one person going back and forth, and I'm always like, I have no idea what I just read. So, (laughs) all
1: right, let's dive into this one. Yeah, all you. I don't want a new best friend, dear Prudence. I'm a straight woman, and recently went to a music event and met a person who was male presenting and introduced himself with a male name. We flirted, exchanged numbers, and after some fun conversations, arranged to go out for a drink. I thought our date was going really well, but was surprised after a few hours when she told me that she was starting to transition to female. I was surprised, but I congratulated her and asked her if she needed any support. She said she was having a hard time making friends in our southern town, so I invited her to a happy hour group I sometimes attend that's very friendly and accepting. We'd been talking about music and politics, but after that she just wanted to know where I got my nails done and my hair cut. At this point, while I'd been willing to go into work a little tired the next day from a great date, I felt a bit deflated and was ready to go home. Since then, she texts me constantly, 25 to 30 messages a day, asking what I'm doing or having for lunch, sending me pictures of her friends, pets, and gets hurt if I don't text back right away, even if I'm working. She said that she wants to model herself as a woman after me, which makes me very uncomfortable. I don't really know her. I don't want to be transphobic, and I don't think I am. But how much do I owe this woman I just met? I'm genuinely happy for her, but we clearly want different things. She's mentioned she suffers from anxiety and imposter syndrome, and I don't want to make things harder for her. But I don't treat any of my friends the way she treats me. If she were a guy I was dating, I'd have no trouble ending things. Also, I'd been interested when she wanted to talk about opera and travel and food and other common interests. The person that I know now sent me more than 20 text messages today about how short, too short is for a skirt, My own reply, where what makes you comfortable? Am I being transphobic on some level? Do I owe this stranger a friendship because she chose me to tell this huge news to? Am I feeling latent sour grapes for feeling rejected? Is there a kind of way to say, please don't act like we're best friends when we just met? Wow. Yeah. Um, You know, there's a couple of questions all
0: jumped together at the end, or jumbled together, rather. And just like as a sort of... um, like bird's eye view before we dive into the rest of it. I'll just say, um, you know, no, it's not transphobic not to be best friends with somebody who wants to be really good friends with you. Um, No, you don't owe her a friendship just because she communicated a lot of intimate information to you pretty quickly. Um, uh, Are you feeling latent sour grapes for feeling rejected? Probably a little, and that's fine. Um, You know, maybe sour grapes is too strong a word. Um, It's okay if somebody you thought you were going to go out with um, does not want to go out with you and instead wants a really different kind of relationship with you to feel a little deflated. That makes total sense to me. Um, you are allowed to feel that way. Um, and that is allowed, frankly, to like dictate some of your reaction now. Um, you don't feel like you um, are just that your job is to not acknowledge your own romantic disappointment. That's you, you there is space for that here. Um, so, yeah, that's my general take. Um, but I, I feel like the last couple, I like did a long, long monologues. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what you were thinking
1: on this one. Oh, man, I love your monologues. Um, no, I, I think that one sentence, um, that question about am I feeling latent sour grapes, for feeling rejected shows some self-awareness um, from the writer that I appreciate very much. That she's really working hard to see this from different angles and, um, you know, um, kudos to to this writer for that. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I spent a lot of time in my life, particularly in my 20s and much of my 30s. I just turned 40 this year. Happy trying, birthday. Thank you. Um, I've always known that my 40s were going to be my best decade. I don't know how or why, I just, but I think I was right. Good. Um, I've just spent so much time in my life trying to be something for someone else that I thought they wanted me to be. Um, And I feel like other people, um, you know, just be – you can't be something. You can't be the kind of friend that someone else needs you to be if it's not the kind of friend that you need to be for that – in this particular moment in your life. I mean, relationships can be something that is – always growing, have a lot of ease in it. Relationships can be so many things when they're not forced and when you're not telling yourself what I am is not good enough because it's not what this person thinks I should be. So it just feels like one of those situations. It doesn't feel like a good match. Then It's not the, the timing may be off. It's not, it doesn't feel mutually beneficial. And, um, and I think that this writer probably has this, the, um, ability to To be very honest and compassionate about her, um, you know, her inability to, to, to be in solidarity and be present and be the person that this person needs.
0: Yeah. And so I think there's, you know, there's two fears. The first fear is, is setting limits with a trans person transphobic? And the answer to that, you know, is just no. As long as you are being kind um, and, and, and you're not like doing something like arbitrary or cruel, um, absolutely not. And then the other one is this sort of sense of, um, you know, since I would have been interested in like um, getting to know this person, had it been like a bunch of heterosexual dates, it, it, have I somehow, um, am I obligated to want to be somebody's like gal pal? And I'm so sorry for using the expression gal pal. I know that that's um, a goofy expression, but um, those are two different kinds of relationships and it's fine that you don't want to do that. Um, and I think you, one of the things that you need to say um, is it just exactly what you've said to us, which is just, um, I'm really excited for you. I'm not available to, you know, be really, really close or to like shepherd you through a lot of that, maybe not the language shepherd, um, but like to offer a lot of advice or feedback about clothes and style. And it feels a little much that you want to model yourself after me. So I, I hope that goes well. I'm, I'm glad that I have been useful to you, um, but I'm not going to be able to text a lot. Um, and, and I think you just need to say that. And I think that will be good for her because, you know, it, I, I I do also feel, you know, sympathy for her cuz one of the things that she is experiencing now um for the first time is like open female socialization like um you know like a, a, a lot of women got to go through the like how short is too short of a skirt phase in junior high uh, when everyone yep. was kind of doing it at the yep. same time and yep. there wasn't this sense of why haven't you figured this out already um and for her um she she hasn't been able to do so openly yet um Again, that doesn't obligate you to be part of it for her. But I just think like if you feel a little exhausted of like just wear what makes you happy, you know, just bear in mind, this is kind of the first time she's it sounds like the first time she's been letting herself talk about this with other women. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, doesn't mean you have to have that conversation with her, um, but it might just be helpful as you set that limit and thinking like I really want her to find that Mm -hmm. she deserves time and space to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. She in a lot of ways missed out on that um, at a time when I got to do so openly. So, um, yeah, yeah. But, but just tell her that and just say that. And, um, you know, you say it all really well here. And just, again, she will have to find out ways to deal with her anxiety. She will have to find ways to temper her enthusiasm and excitement with also reading signals from other people in terms of what they're able to give her. Um, and so setting a limit now is not hurting her at all.
1: No. Oh my god. Yeah. No, definitely not. And you know, the the writer feels I feel a, a kind of excitement about this relationship on some level. Maybe not the way it's going, but I'd encourage the writer to check in with themselves and ask, is there something, is there a way that I could ask for what I need in this relationship? that this that that it could work for me in some capacity right maybe not maybe the gut says no this is always going to be something where i'm being asked to text 20 or 30 times a day and i absolutely can't do that and don't want to do that but is this a person you want to have coffee with once once a week um and does that actually feel good to you like that's gonna feed you
0: or a couple times a year if once a week is too much uh you know
1: or maybe not at all and that's Perfectly fine. It's actually better than committing to once or twice a year if that doesn't feel good. I just feel like partially what dating, like what's fun about dating, and I'm, I'm actually channeling one of my best friends right now, um, channeling Bessa,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: that because I was in an 11 year relationship and I've been dating for the last three years, and Bessa's always reminding me like, this is like supposed to be fun for you. This is yeah. about you, right? Yeah. And don't lose sight of that in these new obligations and taking on um, because. This person needs to be focused on on where, you know, she's going and what her needs are and how to voice them.
0: Yeah. Um, so 100%, especially if she's getting hurt when you don't text back right away. Again, that doesn't mean you have to be really, like, cold in order to set up a boundary. But just just be very clear, like, I am not going to be able to do that. Um, and it's it makes me uncomfortable when you text me a lot at work and then get hurt when I don't respond right away. Um, and I just cannot be your... As flattered as I am, I cannot be um, your best friend, um, and I'm not available to, like, be a role model. Um, And that is, again, you can say that kindly, you can say that respectfully, you can say that in a way that's not, like, cruel or, like, you know, you should feel terrible for being enthusiastic, but, you know. It's all really okay to like not want somebody to say, I'm patterning myself after you and I'm texting you all these pictures of my pets. Like I I both get where she's coming from, and it's also really okay for you to say this is too much.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, and that's fine. And if it hurts her feelings, that is okay. Um, you can she will be okay. It will eventually be a story that she can kind of look back on and say, like, oh, I remember early transition. Uh, I was going through a lot. I was yeah, really excited. Yeah. I had a little trouble figuring out um, how to relate to people in different ways. And that was a, that was an important lesson to learn.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. But go for I it. I think this is going to work out. I think it's going to eventually be
0: – it will be much better than if you kind of um, half-heartedly text her back for the next year or two while always secretly feeling like
1: – Resentful. Yeah.
0: I didn't really want this friendship. Upon. Like she wants it and more than I do. Uh, that's not going to be good for either of you. So, yeah, there we go. All right. Uh, <laughs> moving on to uh, again, these are two kind of like sweet problems in a row of like everyone's doing their best yes. and trying to figure it yes. out. Yeah. And, and I have reason to believe that people will continue to do better. You can so walk
1: away from this feeling good about what you did, not taking not take on how the other person deals with their part of it because you can just feel super good about exactly how you responded. Exactly. So the subject is good sex. Great. I'm
0: so glad we're done. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Dear Prudence, I've been with my partner for nearly 11 years. Before him, I was somewhat promiscuous. I've always enjoyed sex and with other relationships had sex daily. I liked trying different things to keep things interesting, playing around, etc. With my partner, who's the love of my life, sex is very good. I get off more than half the time, but it's not like that. By the way, I, don't I always, this letter. I don't always like to assume the gender of various letter writers, oh, yeah. but uh, anyone who says sex is very good, I get off more than half the time, I feel kind of safe in assuming the letter writer is a lady and her partner is a gentleman.
1: Yep. Yep. And I'm glad that you get off more than <laughs> half the time,
0: but boy, oh boy, <laughs> what a bar.
1: We all have different bars. Yes, we do.
0: Um, for some reason, I don't crave sex. I think it's partly because I've always known that I'm more experienced, and the idea of that has made us both uncomfortable. He doesn't want to think of me with other guys. So how can I tell him what I like? It's come up a few times that I like it rougher, but he rarely plays into that for me. I try to be vocal, but I'm not sure he gets it. I like the sex we have, but it's starting to get fewer and farther between. How do I make sure we both keep enjoying our sex life? Why do I feel so unsatisfied when sex is really very good overall? Mm. So I I think the last question question, why do I feel so unsatisfied when sex is really very good after all? Um, I think the letter writer uh, feels like the the bar for good sex is apparently getting off half the time or more. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're achieving that bar, especially like the implication being if you're a woman, you should just be happy with that. Mm -hmm. And you feel unsatisfied because you are not satisfied. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. That's not weird. That's not surprising. You shouldn't be like, oh, how did this happen? Mm. Um, You know, you feel, again, you're not miserable. That's clear. Like, But you're unsatisfied because um, you're with a partner who is insecure with your past. You yourself feel some judgment about the way that you had sex before you were with him. You know, the fact that you used the word promiscuous and the fact that, you know, um, we're both uncomfortable. Um, and then the fact that you've tried to drop hints about what you want and he has not picked up on that, it makes a ton of sense that you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you have to you know, throw your partner away or that you're doomed to a life of worse and worse and less frequent sex. I just mm-hmm. want you to mostly don't, don't act as if this is so weird. I should be doing better with this. Mm-hmm. I should be grateful for what I have. I'm just being picky.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It makes a ton of sense that you want something different than what you're experiencing right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. um, It does make sense. And, you know, I also want to say that um, for, I mean, getting off is not the only important thing about sex. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't want I didn't want to come across as being kind of like, oh, well, that's that's a low bar to set. I actually think that um, this person is talking about a very rich intersexual world that that um, they they have Mm -hmm. and they can't share all of it with their partner. Yeah. Yeah. to me, this is a perfect example of an argument for polyamory, um, but that is often not an option for people, and I don't want to put that that option onto this person.
0: Especially if the letter writer's partner is already troubled at the thought of her being with people in the past. Yeah. My guess is trying to add them in the present.
1: Yeah, but I guess where I'm going with that, and you know, polyamory doesn't necessarily mean s- sleeping with different partners. Um, polyamory, by a de- by a different definition, is think about how you can get your needs met outside of your relationship, right? Because I think one of the the across-the-board most limiting things about relationships is you start to just, if this need's not being met, it's my partner's fault, my partner has to change, or it's just never going to be met at all, Mm. as if there aren't other avenues, um, you know, pornography, um, writing. Maybe there's a a, a level of, of that that desire for a different kind of sex being satisfied in a different way um the other thing i wanted to say is that to me there feels i detect some shame in the writer's voice definitely um around her own promiscuity it sounds like she had a sexually empowering life and lifestyle before this relationship um and she's happy with a lot of the things that this relationship has to offer and it's hard to give up that freedom and that part of herself that was alive before and you know let's be real I I think that relationships are I mean every door you close every door you open you close another I think is one there's always some things that your relationship is not gonna provide that or it's a different state of being right you can't um There's always, I feel like, a gain and a loss and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: a a change, right? It's a big shift. Um, But I guess I just want to say that she can look into this shame a little deeper Mm -hmm. and and be more curious about it. And, you know, I think,
0: you know, I always want to leave space for somebody to say, I feel insecure or anxious when I think about my partner's sexual history because I worry that I won't meet up. Uh, with certain standards or that they will think fondly of other people. So much room for that. I have so little room for, I don't want to hear about your past. Mm. Please don't bring it up. Right. Adopt an attitude of implicit apology towards it and I'm going to fl- like freeze and flinch right. whenever I have to think about you being a romantic or sexual person before we met. Mm. That is a very bad way to deal with um, insecurities and mm. anxieties. Mm. So I think the two things here are one is that the hints have not worked in terms of the kind of sex that you would like to have with your partner. And one of the things I think you're doing right now to kind of talk yourself out of it is, well, I don't really crave it. I have all this security and happiness. This person's the love of my life. So uh, sex doesn't necessarily come up in some of the same ways. And also I probably shouldn't care that much because I'm getting so much else from this person. And, you know, I just want to say, like, I I understand that it's hard to talk about sex with a partner that you know is already a little fragile around it. But please don't feel like... um, you know, unless I crave it, unless I'm miserable, unless I'm devastated, unless I never come and my partner doesn't touch me, I'm not allowed to speak up and ask for what I want or say something needs to change. I think you really... Should and can. And mm-hmm. my guess is if your partner said there's something I really want from you sexually, you would probably be glad that he said something and, and willing to, you know, give it a try. Mm-hmm. And so I think be as uh, generous with yourself as you would be with him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in terms of like, I would like to have rougher sex, you know, think about specifically what you would like and say that Um you're not necessarily like when you two are about to have sex the next time. Like you can absolutely bring it up outside of a sexual context. So you guys can talk through some of the trickier feelings without mm-hmm. also being naked and vulnerable. But um, you know, he, he doesn't get the hints. So don't hint.
1: Right. Say it. Right.
0: Um. And yeah.
1: Yeah. The hints. Um. The hints don't work. And I I'm, again in a lot of cases, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's something that both people are feeling some kind of shame around, and 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 not fully comfortable with and so it's much easier not to hear it if you're just hinting around it totally
0: because if if you hint and they don't pick up on it it doesn't feel nearly as bad as if you ask for it and you don't get it yeah um so i totally understand that but you guys have been together for 11 years i think you do have some of the like trust and love you say this guy's the love of your life i do think you guys have like kind of earned up um you've built up a like a fund you can you can you can cash this check is what I'm trying to say you can (laughs) you can do that um and then I think also like I'm not suggesting that like you demand he spend five minutes a day every day thinking about you with past partners but I also a little bit am saying that like I think it's okay and and maybe even necessary for you to say if I want to talk to you about what I like um or if I want to ask you for something or if I want to be vulnerable with you um I want us to, acknowledge, again, I don't want us to wallow in it, but we need to acknowledge that I've had sex with people who weren't you. Um, that doesn't mean I want to have sex with them again. Um, that doesn't mean that you aren't the love of my life. But um, if any mention of past partners, you know, sends you into like a kind of flinchy spiral, um, that doesn't leave a lot of room for me to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so... You know, if if you need me to reassure you about something, um, if if you want to ask questions about like why I want to be with you and not any of these other people, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. But just flinching around my past uh, makes me feel like you're ashamed of me, mm-hmm. and it means we can't talk or communicate about something really important
1: like sex. Mm, that's so. beautiful. I like the way you you phrased that. And you know, having that conversation is a way. Sex is a way that. A lot of couples um, work out the un unworked out parts of their relationship. I've I've definitely noticed that a lot. The uh-huh. thing that you're not talking about plays out in you know, in in the bedroom, and so there may be a just an opportunity there for increased intimacy, and and, and empathy, and closeness.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, my part of me is like how can you guys incorporate this into your sex life? How do you bring up like fear, insecurity, and humiliation in such a way that this can just become a scenario? And I think that's like 18 steps ahead of where you are right now. So mostly I just want you guys to be able to talk about it. But um, yeah, the important thing is you have sufficient reason to talk about it now. You don't have to wait until you're miserable. Um, You don't have to feel grateful that you get off more than half the time that you have sex with your partner. Um, And so you you don't get to ask for more. Um, You know, you're not... Uh, you're not cause you're not complaining without cause and and you also sound like you are being very generous towards him you don't sound like you're mad or think he's a jerk or like ready to walk on this you just want to find different ways to talk about it and i think you deserve it so you feel unsatisfied because you're in an, an unsatisfying situation that doesn't mean your whole relationship's unsatisfying right all right next one's all you
1: okay old pictures new wife When I was young, I traveled extensively with my brother and his first wife, who was my dear friend. She died unexpectedly five years into their marriage. My brother is engaged for the third time. Marriage number two ended after two years with a daughter. I want to be happy for my brother, but his new fiancé royally informed me that the travel pictures were offensive to her. I need to strip them off my walls if I ever want my brother to visit my home again." I was undermining her future marriage. I don't know how to respond to this. My first instinct to tell her to stuff it, but I'm afraid to alienate my brother. He's crazy about her. Family gatherings tend to gather at my home since our mother died. I have these pictures of the three of us up on my walls. They've been up for more than 20 years. I don't have many alternatives because of rain-soaked storage mishap. I enjoy seeing myself young and adventurous with people I loved. How do I handle this? I don't want to give 20 years to miss 12 months, but my brother is very much in love. Right now, my niece and he are all the local family I have.
0: Who are these people?
1: (laughs) Who, like, who is... To make those kind of demands. It's pretty hard for me to imagine making that kind of demand on someone. Yeah, Yeah. it's just
0: so, it's so the stepmother in the parent trap.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: And just like you are not like you you do not face an actual threat in your boyfriend's siblings Mm -hmm. like they're not even in the house you're sharing with your boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I'm going to go ahead and say I do not believe that you should take these pictures down. Do you see Don't any reason to take down. Down? Yeah, I mean... No, I no. mean,
1: come on. And what's going to come... What good could possibly come out of that as far as the, uh, the your relationship with this woman is not going to improve because you just did what she told you without speaking up for your own needs and desires and i mean also like feeding the beast of someone else's insecurity Mm -hmm. where's that gonna go that's never gonna go anywhere
0: and you know your brother's first wife was your dear friend you know this wasn't just like a a, an in-law you occasionally saw and don't have much of a connection to you know she was a dear friend of yours these were meaningful experiences also she's dead she's not a threat yeah and your brother's clearly very much in love he's not like actually secretly carrying a torch for her and and withholding something from his new partner Mm -hmm. um this is a problem she has a hundred percent made up
1: Mm -hmm. and where where is the brother in all this he clearly hasn't
0: heard you know
1: it feels like this is more about her and her brother and her not being able to talk to her brother about this i mean why why can't I mean, I know she's trying to protect him, but why is she trying to protect him? Um, I, my,
0: my read on this was that the letter writer was afraid that if they said to their brother, your fiance asked me to take the pictures down and also said that if I didn't, you'd never come visit my house, um, mm-hmm. that the brother might not believe them.
1: Oh yeah. Like that it might or be the, that it might really mess up their relationship and she'd feel terrible about bringing this into what obviously she doesn't have that much confidence in the relationship to start with if right. she feels worried that that's gonna...
0: Because there's that bit about I'm afraid to alienate my brother. He's crazy about her. So that, to me, again, that's just like an implication but this, my read on that is the fear is my brother won't take my word for it. My brother will think I'm making it up.
1: hmm Which would be awful. Oh, yeah. This is hard. This is all hard stuff. I just... Like, if you don't want to get in between their dynamic, can you either just ignore that this ever happened? If you really feel like the new wife um, or fiance um, is not going to hear you and not going to care at all about you in this. Mm -hmm. You could accept that you're never going to have a good relationship with this person and that you're prioritizing your relationship with your brother. I don't know. My gut still tells me you need to talk to your brother at some level, probably at some point. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of thing that 15 years from now, if they're still together, it's still going to be lingering. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, you know, you have a couple of different options. You could... Talk to um, the fiancé directly and just say, you know, I'm not going to take them down, uh, but I just want you to know, you know, this is not – I'm not attempting to compare you to her. Um, I'm not doing this to you or at you. I've had these pictures up for 20 years. This was an old dear friend of mine. um, And you have nothing to worry about from me. Um, So just, you know, to try to extend a generous hand. Mm. And if yeah. her response to that isn't, thanks, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. then you could go to your brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I
1: think that's the best advice. Yeah. Uh,
0: and and say, and, and again, you phrase it in like, I, I'm nervous about bringing this up with you. Um, I, I, I mostly would not want to, uh, you know, tell you things that I've experienced from your fiance. It's just that um, she had said that if I didn't do this, you would not visit my house again. And I would hate to feel like we didn't have at least one conversation just between us as siblings about that. Mm-hmm. And then just say, she wanted me to take the pictures down. Um, they mean a lot to me. I, and to, again, really like stress. I, I don't want to hurt her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't want to antagonize her. But these mm-hmm. pictures mean a lot to me. Um, does that make sense to you? Do you see where I'm coming from? And and hopefully that would work.
1: I'm like, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> one over.
0: It. Another option you have, if, if for some reason you feel like that's not... Um, a viable option um you could be a little bit more manipulative and send either a text or an email to both of them um or or just talk to them the next time you see them in person but some way that communicates with them both in real time Mm -hmm. and then just say you know Sophie I've thought about your request um and while I would hate the thought of you guys not visiting my house the pictures um from you know Derek's first marriage really mean a lot to me um And I I hope you understand that my keeping them up um, is not in any way a reflection on you. But I I can't honor your request. Um, I cannot take them down. Um, And I hope that you will reconsider um, your promise that you will never visit the house if I don't. Mm -hmm. Which is just a real piece of shit move. But, Mm -hmm. you know, at least it's very, like, you get to set the terms. You get to look reasonable. Mm -hmm. Your brother gets to watch her reaction to that in real time Mm -hmm. and see... Mm what her version of the story is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a little more of a high-conflict route. That's my head. Yeah, that's yeah. my head in, like, the, the Parent Trap version.
1: Okay, yeah. okay. Now, I feel like your first advice, because it's giving both of them the benefit of the doubt and giving them an opportunity to, you know, rise to the occasion, to be adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And you know, a lot of times people surprise me when I do that. Yeah. You know, once I got in the habit of, of making, taking the time and taking the risk and doing the scary thing, I've often been wonderfully surprised.
0: Yeah, so I do think the the second suggestion is probably. You will be more likely to get a high conflict response out of her because she will feel put on the spot and exposed because there's yeah. a reason she said that to you in private. yeah. Um, she wanted to make sure that your brother didn't hear her say that because yeah. either she wouldn't make the request in front of him or she would frame it super differently.
1: that said, you know, I don't know how manipulative this fiance is. She sounds like someone who's difficult, yeah, you know, yeah, um. And so as part of that conversation, In order to kind of protect yourself in a way and just remind her, like, I'm coming to you and I'm not going to my brother. Um, I'm coming to you because I want to, you know, give us I want our relationship to be better. I want to give us that chance. Right. Um, I'm not going to my brother. I or maybe not. I'm not going to my brother. I'm not sure exactly how she should phrase that. but I came to you first. Yes. Yeah.
0: To to really stress, like, if this was just you on your worst day. You want to give her a chance to reestablish some sort of relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, if her re- reaction to that's real bad, mm-hmm. then, you know, it's sad. But you actually have more cause to talk to your brother then and to just really stress, like, I, I tried really hard to keep this mm-hmm. calm.
1: Mm-hmm. I tried
0: really hard to minimize this. Um, but this is something I think you should know. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, and that's just, I, I think, th- worth doing, even if it's a little painful to him. Um, because what she said to you was just
1: so over the line. it's hard with in-laws. I feel like there's always the temptation to go through your your um you know, biological family and not develop that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the long run, that um it, it could really pay off to try to develop it,
0: and also just a general like piece of advice to anyone who's marrying somebody who has been widowed or widowed. Again, unless this person is doing, like, full Maxim de Winter and, like, wandering the west wing of the house, acting all mournful about their departed spouse and ignoring you, um, it will pay off so much to just be cool to just say things like, tell me a little bit more about him or what a lovely picture. What was that trip like? Mm. Um, Instead of, uh, you know, demanding that the people in your life now scrub any reference to someone who is dead Mm. and cannot in any way threaten your relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's easy and free Mm -hmm. to not act like you are in competition with a ghost. So maybe just consider that, everyone.
1: Yes, please. All
0: right. So the subject of our last letter is beach house, which is great because I always love to end with... How do I put this? Not that any problem isn't real, but if your problem is a beach house, that's good because it (laughs) means that that's your most serious problem right now. And that's good. Again, it's a real problem, but... It, it means you don't have to worry about any of the other things we just talked about.
1: Yeah, it's one of those problems you're like, oh, it says something that, that I've gotten to this point where this is the problem. Uh-huh. At least, yeah, if I ever get to the point where I have a beach house, I'll be like, oh, wow, things have shifted. Yeah, absolutely. My <laughs> problem with my beach house. Yeah.
0: So, dear Prudence, my husband and I owned several lovely vacation homes during our marriage. Congratulations. Uh, when he died three years ago, I sold two of them and used the proceeds to pay off our mortgage and establish a college fund for my stepdaughter, I've never been especially close with my in-laws, but I did let them use the beach house after my husband died. The problem is that the area has exploded, as has—oh, I think, like, exploded in terms of fanciness. I was confused about what it meant in terms of explosion. Mm -hmm. Anyways, the area has exploded, as if my property taxes. I approached my former sister-in-law, Deb, about needing a small rental fee from now on. I'm asking less than half the going rate. Deb responded by calling me stingy, greedy, and selfish. Her brother would have been, quote, ashamed to hear me treat her like this. She told me that she had warned my husband not to marry me. I interrupted her to tell her she was no longer welcome at my homes and not to contact me again. I'm sticking to this decision. My question is what to do about the rest of the family. I don't want to cause a rift, but I also don't want Deb to ever set a foot on my property again, even as somebody else's guest. How do I discuss this with the rest of my former in-laws? My former brother-in-law used to use the beach house at least three times a year with his children. Again, not to trivialize this, but I really hope someday I get to use the expression, you are no longer welcome in any of my homes.
1: (laughs) Like that's just such
0: a such an aspirational statement. Oh, my God. None of my homes will welcome you.
1: It's impossible to imagine that if I had multiple homes, I could think of so many things to do with them. Oh, I would so totally many...
0: ban people. I would find people who like barely slighted me, and I would say, "You are no longer welcome in any of my homes."
1: <laughs>
0: or like, "You are welcome in my lesser homes."
1: I, I don't know you very well, but I just don't believe you right now. I
0: just <laughs> it, it just feels so theatrical and fabulously wealthy, yes, and dramatic. And I would like to be all of those things. Yes, um, yeah. It sounds like there was a lot going on with Deb maybe before this, and uh, she was she was. Interested in having it all out with you and uh, you know, unless you like woke her up in the middle of the night and was like, I need $700 in the next five minutes or I'm going to dump all your stuff out in the surf.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That you are not responsible for how bonkers her reaction was.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know how you communicate this without causing a rift, though.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I-, I think... I assume mm-hmm. your former brother-in-law is either Deb's brother or Deb's husband.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if either way, if he normally vacations with her and you say from now on, you can only use the house if you don't bring her with you. And again, then that would also mean you'd have to like keep tabs on him because mm-hmm. if you think there's a chance he would bring her anyways, then you now have the job of like monitoring him and you have to ask if you want to do that. Um he may decline to use the house again. And that might be for the best. Maybe you don't want to have much of a relationship with any of these people going forward. It
1: doesn't seem like the writer does. I mean, these are kind of... I mean, I'm not sure if I agree with the writer's choices in the first place to charge um, her her deceased um, husband's partner's um, no, her, family.
0: Yeah, her... Oh, yeah, I see what yeah, you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Um, but you know that's her her choice, their choice, um, and they're sticking to it. So whether or not I agree with that decision, it feels kind of like, from based on this letter, that they're not really interested in, in maintaining these relationships, or they're not that strong. Right. I'm I'm wondering if at some point, I, I mean, their partner died three years ago. I'm wondering if at some point that might change. If they're, I I would just ask the writer to check in with themselves about how important these relationships are and whether they're going to later regret burning these bridges. Yeah. Yeah, because
0: I I also do think, like, I often see people, um, their family relationships just blow up over, often, like, a relatively small amount of money. And I don't mean that there's, like, some universal small amount of money, but it seems like to them. So, like, um, you know, I don't know Deb's situation. um, And, again, it was unclear... Um, you say the brother-in-law uses the beach house a couple times a year. It's unclear to me if Deb, like, lives there or if she just uses it sometimes as a rental. So I guess part of my curiosity is, like... No, she doesn't live there. Right? Rent. Well, I saw the rental fee. I, I don't know. It was just unclear. Yeah, um,
1: yeah.
0: So, like, again, I, I, I know that you may not have been prepared to start paying a lot more on property taxes, but I'm kind of curious, like, if you have multiple homes... And Deb has not been able to pay like market rate for a rental on a month-to-month basis. You know, are you putting her in, in a hard position? A- again, I'm I'm not saying that it is your job to put her up forever, but I'm just wondering if there's a little room here to kind of ask: Did I give her as much warning as I could? Um, is she somebody who makes comparatively so much less than me and is struggling, and I'm doing comparatively a lot better? was there another way I could have approached this with her? Mm-hmm. Um, or is there a way I can extend some compassion to her? Even though what mm. she said to you was genuinely shitty. Mm. Um, I, again, and again, this may not apply. If if Deb's doing fine and she was just using your beach house twice a year and now the idea of like paying for a de- like a cleaning deposit and, uh, you know, a couple of hundred bucks that she would have to pay for a hotel anyways, you know, then that's lousy.
1: Yeah, no matter what, it's a terrible thing that, that she said. I agree. Um, I don't mean to lack. I mean, I, I have compassion for the the writer. I just wonder if there's an opportunity for some healing here with yeah. with this person. I'm leaning more towards not burning this bridge. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it depends
0: because, you know, I forgot I was thinking more about the like stingy, greedy, selfish part. And then I was like, oh, right. And uh, she also said that she told the letter writer's husband not to marry them. And that's pretty
1: okay. Yeah, I forgot that part too. Yeah,
0: that's pretty big. So
1: again, um, I just this is one of those when I hear about people like losing someone in three years is not a long time, right? Right. Um, And I don't know how, but just the way people act after a death is, um, it's often just incredibly irrational and i'm wondering what their their relationship was before this explosion she said they were never particularly close so maybe there's not really much there to salvage which is sad and hard and you know if letting go is the right thing that's hard that's that's sad because you're letting go of a piece of of your husband also um but but that might be the right thing to do if there's really not enough basis there for a healthy relationship yeah
0: so uh, you know assuming that you want to remain cordial with the rest of your in-laws, which it sounds like you do. It doesn't right. sound like you're super concerned about staying super close. But again, mostly what I want for you to hear is like to set the limits that you need to, but to not get drawn into a fight where you're saying the kinds of stuff that Deb said to you. Right. I want better than that for you. Um, so if you think there's no going back, if, if, if Deb was not put into like a serious financial predicament by your request, um, And you're not interested in trying to rehabilitate that relationship. That makes sense to me. Um, And and then I think you just get in touch with all of them and you just say, um, I don't know what, if anything, Deb has told you, um, but I I, I now need to charge a small rental fee um, for my beach house um, to offset property taxes. Um, And she said she uh, did not, you know, care to speak to me again. And she thought my husband shouldn't have married me. Um, So that's where that is. You guys don't have to do anything about that, but that relationship is is ended. Um, if you want to continue to use these houses, I will need to charge a fee. Um, and, you know, Deb's not welcome there. If you don't want to do that under those circumstances, I totally understand. I realize this puts you in a slightly awkward position. I'm sorry Deb's done that. Um, I wish you well. Um, but just communicate the information calmly and clearly. Um, and be honest. You don't like, don't try to massage the truth. Like if, if what you would want from them is you can only stay here. If you don't bring Deb, you got to ask. Um, and if they seem, you know, not inclined to do that, or, uh, like they want to relitigate this fight, then you can just go ahead and say, thank you for letting me know your answer. And then you go ahead and get the locks changed in case any of them have keys um and you oh, this don't
1: get i mean yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I,
0: I don't know if you normally like leave a key for them or what i don't know i've never owned many homes yep yep um so you gotta um then just go ahead and make sure they don't have access to your place and then either rent it out to somebody who would live there or um sell it and then don't pay property taxes
1: on it at all i like this part of the this is like now i feel a little more prepared for the many homes I didn't realize this part of the podcast was, like, really, like, entertaining people's problems that you may may or may not have ever even considered remotely. I
0: mean, I hope the wave of the future is not that everyone who listens to this podcast becomes, like, landowners and landlords. That's not my dream for the future. (laughs) Um, But within the limited scope of this particular issue, uh, I think— Kind at of the very least, that was sound like,
1: advice. I yeah, I appreciate it. It feels like this this writer more than anyone else has already made up their mind, and yeah. they just need to go through the the um the necessary steps, yeah. you know, if somebody
0: doesn't come back from, "Hey, I warned your husband not to marry you before he died, And they don't within like a, a pretty short amount of time come back with, "I'm so sorry I said that, and I am now in therapy to figure out why I say these things. I don't know how I, you I don't know how you could resume that relationship yeah. like that person clearly wants to burn the bridge so.
1: yeah 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 there's only a little part of me just because I've heard about you know how long mourning really takes you know I haven't I've been so lucky I've lost people but I haven't lost anyone that close to me mm-hmm. um like a brother or a sister or and I've I definitely want to just be um you know sympathetic to how long that might take and if there is a little seed of in her of mm-hmm. oh maybe there's something really important here that I don't want to for sure lose forever mm-hmm. that she might want to sit with that
0: yeah and i feel like i so often on this podcast in part because i'm often presented with really extreme situations so often my advice is you need to get away from this person probably forever um and i do think that's sometimes the case you know some things cannot be repaired or um You cannot assume that they can be repaired um, or if somebody is intent on continuing to cause you harm, you know, your your primary um, commitment needs to be to yourself and Mm -hmm. staying safe. Definitely. But I also do within certain parameters of safety, um, I want to at least kind of try to look at various situations, even situations where people have said really awful things Mm -hmm. or feel incredibly angry Mm -hmm. to look for. If there were reconciliation here, what could it look like? Mm -hmm. And again, even if with Deb you guys never talk again, um, whatever um, an internal healing for you would look like just in terms of um, I don't want to run into Deb myself, but I wish for her in general the sort of things that I wish for me in terms of safety, security, love, honesty, whatever. And again, I feel like a real hippie saying all this sitting around in my jean jacket um but i i I do hope for that, even if the two of you do not in this life uh end up interacting again um, there's a sort of like orientation of the heart that we can always try to work on, and again, it doesn't mean everybody has to be forgiven um or or brought back into your life, but I want to make a little space for options besides just never talk to them again. Next question,
1: please. <laughs> Just so you know, I've definitely burned bridges.
0: Oh, so have I. Some of which I regret, but I burned that bridge. So yeah. it's on fire. Yeah. Or it's ash. What's done is done.
1: I definitely have bridges that I'm like, whoa, that was a fun bridge to burn. I burn it again. Yes. I. Yeah. Some
0: of those were like, yep, A plus would burn again. And some of those are like, man, I wish I could make it right. And, you know, someone else is like, too bad. You can't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you have to figure out how do I live my life in such a way where I can live with myself. Um But also where I try to um, respect that the fact that this person does not want me to go apologize to them. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because a lot mm-hmm. of times when we want someone not to be mad at us, that's way more important than actually making a real change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why I will never be out of a job. Mm. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: You're so welcome.
0: I like that I implied that just because people will always have problems, I personally will always be employed as dear Prudence.
1: Yeah, I'm going to bring it back to yourself.
0: Yeah, that was a neat little hat trick I did there. Um, thank you so
1: much for coming on the show. Have a fabulous rest of the day. Uh, I enjoyed it very much. Okay. I will.